If you're listening for the first time, welcome. If you're back for more, thank you for continuing to support this project and being a part of it. If you're not yet a member of my email list, go to sarahmarshallnd.com to register. That will continue to be the hub of all new releases of podcasts, articles, and updates. As this project goes into its third year this June, I'm building a team to expand into more ways to support you on your healing journey, and my email list is the best way to do that. Go to my website, sarahmarshallnd.com to sign up. Welcome to Heal. On today's episode, my dear friend Sharon Lewis shares her story of getting and healing cancer from the front lines. In between treatments with chemotherapy, Sharon graciously agreed to be with us, sharing the unexpected challenges and miracles she has encountered on her way to the mountaintop called being cancer-free. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Marshall. We've got such a dear friend of mine, Sharon Lewis. And I mean, you're retired, but what? how would you like me to create you? Writer, artist, standard of transformation? All of that sounds great. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, gosh, when did we meet? I remember you first in our ILP, but I'm pretty sure that I saw you around before that. But that's where I really met you. Yeah. In our introduction leaders program. Yeah, which is part of uh, Landmark's leadership programming that yeah. I've shared about that program on the podcast before. And and who would have ever guessed we'd be here now and having this conversation? I know. Isn't it awesome how things go, how they unfold? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm really grateful for you to be here and be willing to have this conversation and share about what you've been dealing with, because I think there's such an opportunity for a very different perspective on what it is to have cancer, to treat cancer, to be dealing with cancer. And I mean, some of the conversations you and I have had over the last many years around your well-being, but definitely this last year inside of this new adventure in your life, knock me back every time we get up, even when it's something I said, I'm like, how did I even think to say that? And it's like, (laughs) there's this amazing mutual kismet chemistry that happens between you and I around these conversations that I finally was like, I, more people, it'll make a difference for more people to hear it. That's so fantastic, Sarah. And I, I have so much gratitude for you on two levels, just your contribution to me as an individual, to my health and well-being, to everything on this journey I've been on, but also to your commitment to shifting the conversation about healing in uh, really globally. But I'm always moved when I talk to you because of that amazing commitment you have. Thanks. Yeah. Never quite looks the way, (laughs) certainly not how I thought it was going to look 13 years into my practice. I'm like, I'm going to be speaking to millions of people around the world. And (laughs) I don't know, maybe I am. And, you know, I mean, I I actually do know what the listening statistics, the podcast are. We're not at millions yet. We are in the thousands though, but it's, it's also recognizing the ripple effect, right? That Mm -hmm. one conversation we have with one person and it alters something for them. And then how many conversations do we have a day? How many conversations do we have a week, a month? Like if you can alter that in one person's way of viewing their well-being, way of viewing health, way of viewing what's even possible, 
getting off of medications, you know, even some of the stuff that you're doing with the doctors that you, you know, the oncologist you're working with around a different approach to chemotherapy. I mean, that's even, Mm -hmm. even that, like, and you'll, I'll ask you more about it specifically, but you, you know, you haven't been required to, or it's not been recommended to you to do super high doses of chemo in short spans of time. And you've had recovery time in between and what that's meant, you know, it's like, even that, like the, the people can know something else is possible. So yeah, yeah, it's really good to be here. That's great. So let's just create some context for people to start out with. So talk a little bit about what happened on that fateful day when you, you know, had, and well, actually I want to rewind it about back a bit more. Let's talk about the colonoscopy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that was the fateful day. <laughs> so it was just going to be a standard colonoscopy. I knew that stuff wasn't right in my digestive tract, and you and I had been working on all that. We'd been looking at the flora, as well as my, my functional doctor, doctor of functional medicine. And I chose to go with your protocol versus carpet bombing with antibiotics. And it was coming along, but things still weren't right. So I still expect that it was just coming along. And I went in for a general, just a standard colonoscopy. And when I woke up, she said, I couldn't get in. <laughs> so I was like, okay. She said, I don't think, I don't think it means anything. I think it's fine. And then about a week later, I called her to make sure that everything in the uh, pathology was good. And she said, oh gosh, I just hate to have to tell you this, but you you actually have colon cancer. And it was like, wow, <laughs> you can't even- In a week cannot... time to go from, yeah, like everything's no big deal. We just really couldn't quite visualize it to you've got colon cancer. Yeah. And you can't, cannot absorb that. You can't possibly absorb that conversation in that moment, but it's, you absorb it enough that it's like, so it's like a bomb going off in your brain and your psyche. And, and you were the first person I called because <laughs> I knew that I needed somebody who, could, who would address the possibility side of it all. And you did. You gave me one of the most, some really amazing things. One thing you said is this is going to be simple and straightforward. And I put that in my calendar. It pops up every day. Sarah says this is going to be simple and straightforward. Now that was back in April. And it, you know, all truth be told, it has been simple and straightforward. There's been some definite detours to ER and <laughs> other things like that, but it really has been simple and straightforward and there's still more to go. And then the other really profound thing that you said is this is nobody's fault. There's no place to put blame. It's not some thought you had or, you know, whatever. And of course you want to see, you want to look at what created the, the climate for this. And I have explored that because I think it's important to ontologically and emotionally and physically find the things that could have created the climate for it, not that it caused it. And you and I have talked a lot about that as well. But that first phone call was set everything off in the right trajectory for me. And then I had to start looking for where do I go from here? So the place to go from there was to find, to discover the path and that whole discovery turned out to be so intuitive for me. One thing, Barb is my partner, as you well know, but for the, those who don't know, she, we've been on this journey together. It's just been, a, we, we, we said from the beginning that this would be a profound time of healing, of deepening intimacy, and of miracles. And it has been that. We created that right from the beginning. 
But the thing that I saw is that I don't want to have like seven different doctors that I have to be the general contractor for. I really want to, I want somebody that's a general contractor. And what I ended up just choosing, and that came out of an intuitive dream, which I can tell you about if you'd like to hear. I think I have shared that with you, but um, we ended up going to MD Anderson. And, you know, I'm the person who says cure it with the vegetables. So for me to say, to choose. <laughs> well, and that's where I want to like, I mean, everything you've shared up till now is really awesome. And I want to create a little bit of context about like your normal and natural approach to your health up till now is pretty far in the energetic and intuitive and maybe herbal and low dose, even when it comes to like supplements. I mean, when I even said, let's start with a colonoscopy, I love where you started, but my thought too was, do you remember how long it took us for you to even be willing to get a colonoscopy? (laughs) And I remember years ago when you first came and started working with me, you said, really, do I really have to do a colonoscopy? I don't, you know, what else can I possibly do? What, how can I avoid even ever having, cause like from your standpoint and you can, I let me know, you know, how this lands, but my experience was there was, there was some history of some mistrust of conventional medicine and you were pretty well-educated and committed to using natural and alternative therapies in every opportunity you could. And you are one of the more committed of my clients in the sense of you came in saying, okay, Sarah, what is the absolute most natural, most energetic, most intuitive way we can do this? Cause I'm just not interested in any of the conventional stuff. So to then have you surrender surrender is a good word to chemotherapy and conventional approach of treatment of cancer is a huge alteration and potential growth. Like looking at it from the outside in, I want to create that for people because for lots of people like, Oh yeah, totally makes sense. It's like to see where you came (laughs) from to step into this. How was that for you? You know, it really was intuitive. I had a dream before before the diagnoses. And in the dream, I was sitting in the back seat of a car with Barb and my window was open and somebody thrust a big box, big cardboard box on my lap. And it was kind of like moving around. I looked inside and it was open and there were all these coconuts bouncing around. And as I looked at the box, they all transformed pineapples, which when I woke up, I said, there's there, this dream, there's something about this dream. There was some quality to it that it was more than just a dream. Yeah. You know, like a regular sleeping dream. And so I just, when we chose to go to MD Anderson, we met with the surgeon and we're talking. And I was amazed at how calm and clear, how I could ask questions. I There was nothing there other than a conversation. And... I looked down at his socks and there were pineapples on his socks. (laughs) (laughs) So it was almost like we were guided there. Yeah. And, you know, I still have my moments where it's like, holy, holy, holy. You can say it, but yes. Yeah. These guys are poisoning my body with this chemo. um, But it still intuitively feels like the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. So then let's talk a bit about what's happened since. So what was the initial recommendation in the initial round of treatment? What was that about? So I was, the initial recommendation was go through four infusions of chemotherapy 
every 10 days, have one every 10 days, and then rest and heal and have a surgery. Hopefully, they said, hopefully it'll be robotic to remove the tumor, and then more chemo. So that's how we started. Now, the second chemo infusion, I, went, I had anaphylactic shock. Oh my gosh. And ended up in ER. <laughs> oh my gosh. So here you are having a life-threatening allergic reaction to the very treatment that is supposed to be saving your life. Yeah. So when I went back for this, the third treatment, it was just, it was not easy to drive, even drive into that parking lot. I had PTSD. And, but what they said, they removed one of the, the components they believed I was allergic to, which was the oxaliplatin. And I would continue with just the fluorocell, fluorouracell. And that whole infusion was, I could have gotten into anaphylaxia just worried about it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But I got through it. And so then we continued, we completed the four and I rested. And then we had this miraculous surgery. It, it was all, oh no, no, there's something else that happened before that. I forgot. Somehow the tumor hadn't grown, but somehow it shifted and it, it obstructed my bowel. Mm. And so six days in, I'm not, <laughs> my bowels aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. And I kept calling triage and saying, this isn't working. My bowels aren't working. And they just kept saying, just take Miralax or, you know, to, to do a whole bottle of Miralax. And I, I said, no, intuitively, I know that's not right. So, but at that point, by that point, I was really out of it. And thank God Barb took the reins in her hands. And she said, we're going down to Gateway ER right now. And we drove down, we walked in, my doctor happened to have been on, my surgeon was on staff, one of the most amazing other doctors. He did, he does colonoscopies and what, I don't, I don't know the name for that kind of doctor, but he was Gastroenterologist. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> he was able, it was a complete miracle. He was able to get up through the obstruction with this tiny wire and put a stent in. And that was on August 4th. And my surgery wasn't until September 1st. And I just prayed that a whole time that that stent would just stay operational. <laughs> you know, it's like, bless the stent. Bless Keep the things <laughs> moving. Yep. And it did. It, it was amazing. It, it stayed operational. But then the day before my surgery, I had another colonoscopy with the same amazing doctor and he couldn't get in. Same problem that the original mm. colonoscopy had. And they, what they thought was the stent collapsed that day. Oh my gosh. And so they couldn't get in. Well, okay. Then the next day I went in for the surgery, not knowing if we were going to be able to do the robotic surgery, but they were able to do it all robotically. And they, they got it out. They got out tissue or surrounding tissue around it. And they discovered that five of the 20 lymph nodes that they removed had the cancer in them. Hmm. And so that's why we went we're in this next phase here. Okay. Of, and right now we're at in, that at that point, we weren't sure if the surgery, the surgery potentially could have been the end of treatment could, and you would have healed have after that. Yep. Yeah. So we're going through oral chemo right now and there's five cycles of that. I've been yeah. through one already. Yeah. And so you're, you're, that was the other reason I'm just so grateful to have this is because this isn't like five years ago or 10 years ago, like you're oh, in yeah. it. Yeah. This is yeah. happening in your life right now. Yep. Yeah. And you know, the medicine on in both arenas in conventional as well as complementary medicine, it's just on the shoulders of the shoulders of the shoulders. And I'm looking forward to the day when those two actually meet 
Yeah. And, and yeah, there's so much value in both arenas. And that's been a place where you and I have talked a lot because I mean, I'm not a naturopathic oncologist and I know that there's a lot that homeopathy and low dose herbs and nutrient supplementation can do to help support the body and support chemotherapy actually being more effective, at least Mm -hmm. as effective with minimal side effects, but it's not been studied. And so understandably that, well, it's not been studied extensively. Let me put it that way. Cause there actually Mm -hmm. is research out there. It's not well adopted into conventional medicine treatments. And it really depends on where you go. Interestingly enough, one of my mentors, Dr. Anderson, is a naturopathic physician has literally wrote the book on alternative cancer therapy. He actually has written two books, one cancer outside the box. And then another one, which is like the book on naturopathic and integrative medicine approaches to cancer. One's for practitioners and the others for the general public. Both of them are available. We'll have them in the show notes. You know, I mean, so he could speak at length about where the research actually has been well-qualified, but it's not adopted into the general standard of care at this point. And so there's a lot of suspicion because of just the unknown factors. So you and I have had a lot of conversations through the last, you know, eight, nine months about where is the integrity to choose to participate in, you know, complementary alternative or even directly integrative naturopathic medicine while doing the oncology work? Do you tell your oncologist? Do you not tell your oncologist if you include it with them? You know, and that's been some place that I really acknowledge you for, even though I think in your I'm crystal clear. You've never betrayed your heart in this process. I actually am really clear that hasn't happened, but there's a part of your brain that probably would be like, well, of course I want to do herbal medicine. Of course I want to incorporate these other things in there. And, and the degree to which you've surrendered to doing it as designed (laughs) from MD Anderson and what your oncologists are guiding you through has been really profound. And I am a firm believer that the more integrity you bring to something, the more power and performance you get out of it. And so, I mean, it's, it probably has a lot to do with even here, which isn't to say that if your intuition was screaming at you, you wouldn't listen to it. You would. Yes. You're absolutely right about that. And what's been great, you've recommended things that I brought to them. So it's creating new conversations. Many times they say, no, no, we don't want you to do that. Like they didn't want me to do vitamin take vitamin C, even just in any way, shape or form, none. Yeah. Yeah. But the other thing that was kind of interesting that just came up at a recent appointment, I haven't had a chance to share this with you is that what my oncologist said is there's so many different cocktails that, you know, that when you look at naturopathic medicine, it might not work with a particular cocktail. And I'm not sure how that's going to be overcome, how, how that will work. But at some point you guys will figure that out, how to have that all work because they're, it's inevitable that these two fields are going to integrate and it's going to be for the benefit of humanity. Absolutely. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. We could do a whole podcast about how we have to reinvent our uh, relationship to doing research and the uh, need to expand beyond the scientific method is the only way to validate research because it's very limited in complex systems and herbs and nutrition are complex systems because you do not necessarily just have one single molecule that you're studying the interaction. You have dozens, if not hundreds of molecules interacting with the pharmaceuticals and the physiology of the body. It's a very complex 
sometimes often very challenging thing to study. And that's part of what's actually going to be required for the true unity of where, you know, my vision is that there is no such conversation as conventional or alternative medicine, that we Mm. actually disappear that conversation, that that no longer, it's just medicine and Mm. there's acupuncture medicine and there's homeopathy medicine and there's herbal medicine and there's physical medicine and there's pharmaceutical medicine and there's surgical medicine. And it's like, those are just different modalities inside of one entire conversation. Yeah. And we literally take the dividing wall down between the two sides because it's not a side thing. And then we can get into where did most of those pharmaceuticals come from? Well, originally the herbalists, (laughs) you know, and and, and all that, but that's not this conversation. I want to know about the port parties. Oh, yes. So the first thing they told me is I I was going to have to get a a port. And that was terrifying to me, putting some foreign object in my body. So to bring levity to it, I put out to our community that here's an opportunity for you to name my port. (laughs) So (laughs) we're getting all kinds of amazing names. My nephew said Shanghai because that's the best shipping port in the world and just all. And then we had a Zoom session and people came and voted. <laughs> That's awesome. It was so great. It just well, what do you name your port? Powerport. The Powerport. Yeah. Awesome. And it was it really took bringing play to it took all that daunting fear out of it. And so and what's been amazing is my port. I mean even I, I was just there yesterday getting a blood drive. It's like your your port looks great. Your scars look great around your port. <laughs> you're like because i got a power port that's why (laughs) supported by community and then that that kind of became a springboard for communicating with my with with this group about what was going on and i do a lot of collaging which is part of the landmark wisdom distinctions and sharing those collages and getting amazing feedback from people there was one i think it was after my third infusion my I was just flattened by that infusion. I I couldn't even find myself in it. And that's part of the problem is you start losing yourself because how you normally feel isn't how you feel when when all this is going on. And so what I think I would have done ordinarily was just like gone to my room and curled up and waited for it to pass. But I knew that was not the right thing to do. So I sent, I tentatively sent out one little tentative text to Marilyn Carberry <laughs> and I just said, who am I for you? And she wrote back and it just opened a whole different aperture. I, my attention was off my internal state and went over to who I was for her. And that was so empowering. So then I just did a, like a, a blast out to everybody. You know, I just said, tell me who I am for you. And it was so enlivening and uplifting it really was incredible and i can see community is a, an amazing it's it's beyond what we can even think it is i believe like there's the community people show up with a meal you know or you have you put you have a great conversation with somebody all that's valuable but i have glimpsed that there's something way beyond that it's all, i think it's almost energetic actually yeah where we get created who we are gets created in our communities and so how can we be responsible for that like 
it's so easy to hide when you're not well, when you're, when you don't, you haven't organized what it is you're going to say. There was no way I could organize what I was going to say. I was just like a bumbling idiot at that point. <laughs> and, you know, the inclination is just to hide and wait, but to get out there authentically with what, what's going on, where you are, that's, there's real gold in that. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of richness of what you just said, and we just covered some mondo territory in transformational education that sometimes takes a 13 month program to unfold. So I want to unpack (laughs) a little bit of it for our audience, you know, is we have this experience of ourselves as fixed beings. Mm. Like there's a way that we are and that it's permanent. And one of the things that Sharon and I have explored a lot in some of our personal growth work has been just starting from the the concept, what if that's not the case? What if there is a mutual creation and, and response happening between you and other people in your life? Now, for a lot of people, the community of people around them may not be people who have been building them up or, you know, are people that they feel like have the best view of themselves. Right. So I want to acknowledge that in this conversation as well, but you know, those people, some of your best friends, your close family members that like, they have a view of you that is far more powerful, smart, beautiful, attractive, funny than anything that that voice inside your head ever says. Yeah. And I can imagine there's some people listening to this going, no, I don't have any people like that. Well, here's the challenge is in some of the courses that Sharon and I participated in, we actually, it was, it was an assignment to let go of what we thought the people in our life thought about us and to actually ask them. Yeah. And I promise you, (laughs) it's a different conversation, even with those people that under normal circumstances, they might be sarcastic with you or, you know, they love you, but they call you a jerk or whatever. And it's, oh, it's in a term of endearment. But, you know, if you really slow down and you get connected with somebody and you ask them authentically, who do you say that I am? Who am I for you? What can you count on me for? Mm. And while, you know, Sharon, you and I know, quote unquote, this is a good practice in our (laughs) world. It's really commendable that you, it even dawned on you that you thought of that there was some wise person, part of yourself that said, this is the conversation I'm going to have with this one person throw out this text that snowballed into something bigger distinct from, like you said, your default of, I want to hide and wait until I can look good to the outside world. Cause you know, chemo brain and not having anything to say and not even, I mean, I dealt with it differently, different circumstances. I have no idea that it was the same experience as you, but when I had, you know, the thick of chronic fatigue syndrome, I didn't want to talk to people because it's like, I can't, I don't even have anything good to say. If they ask mm-hmm. me how my life is, it's like the last question. My sister and I actually had a thing going all through my chronic fatigue where she stopped asking me, how are you? Cause I just got sick of answering that question. Right. <laughs> God. 
So she started playfully asking me, how's your cat today? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> he's great. He's laying around. He's licking his fur. He's taking a nap in the sunshine. You know, I mean, it was like, <laughs> just like ask a different question for Pete's sake, you know, so that that was there for you to, you know, pull from people around you and have that reflected back in that way is just, that's incredible. And I, I can say that's healing. Yes, it is absolutely healing. And then when I when I had to start the oral chemo, I was terrified that to even swallow one of those pills because it actually the oral chemo is a metabolite and it causes your body to create it's amazing to me that it can do this create the very drug that was being infused, mm. fluorouracil. And I was afraid that I was going to have anaphylaxia at home, you know, and even though I have my EpiPen sitting right there in front of me, it was still terrifying. Yeah. So. And you love taking pills as it is. <laughs> yeah, really. There was that whole thing. Yeah. And I had a false start. I went through three and a half days taking this. And on the last day, the, fr the first dose, so two doses a day, 7, 7 um, a.m. and 7 p.m. on that. Thursday morning, I started getting what felt like it was going to be anaphylaxic because the symptoms are somewhat similar. And so I just, I called MD Anderson and they said, just stop, just stop and come in on Monday. So we had that false start. And then I had to, they said, well, you can stop now. You're, you know, I mean, you could stop now, but obviously this chemo is going to. Like really you could stop the treatment altogether. You could yeah. just not go forward with the rest of the oral chemo. Yeah. Yeah. They actually gave me that choice, which I really feel so much gratitude for, because if they said, no, you have to do this, I would have been digging my heels. <laughs> so I took a week and I just, I, I know I called you. I consulted with people that I knew would, could give me perspective on all this. My brother, my nephew-in-law is an ER doc and he talked about, you know, take Benadryl with it and have your EpiPen there and and we, I asked him every question I could think of about the EpiPen because I thought, oh, can an EpiPen cause a heart attack? You know, and I, in the meantime, I die before. <laughs> but, you know, after doing that and really meditating and praying about it, I, I said, no, this is the right path. So then I started taking it again. But one of the things I did was I, I decided that every pill I took would be dedicated to somebody I love. And that I would somehow acknowledge them or do something in their honor. And it's made such a huge difference having that game to play game, you know, just, and it's been so wonderful to send a note to somebody I haven't talked to, you know, in months and just say, I dedicated my, my oral chemo to you today. And here's who you are for me. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's yeah, awesome. It's, it's been really powerful for that. And, you know, we, people can go back. I mean, Larry Farwell's episode is one that stands out the science of miracles, but I have had other guests who are scientists and healers who can speak to that's not just a fun way to entertain yourself. That actually is altering the trajectory of the chemotherapy actually being able to fully be resonant in your body and make the difference it's meant to make and have the least negative consequences. Yes, I completely believe that. And that, that you know, love, it's an energy, it's an energy, it's energetic. And so when you swallow it with love, 
it has a whole different access than when you're swallowing it with resistance and you know trying to drink a gallon of water to get that pill down <laughs> so yeah i could completely see that happening and what i just got from that is you freaking turned chemo into alternative complementary medicine oh my god yes i did <laughs> cuz that i mean it's like and, and I've always said that, like, so I practice a form of naturopathic medicine called biotherapeutic drainage, which I think I've talked about in some of my episode 13s when Kendra asks me questions, but biotherapeutic drainage is a system of using homeopathy and low dose herbs to basically get in alliance with body's natural physiology and to enhance natural physiology. It's, it's using medicines to promote optimal functioning in the body. And then the body course corrects whatever illness or symptoms it's dealing with very literally uh, the opposite of allopathic medicine, which is what most of conventional medicine is based on allopathic. If you break the Latin down, allo literally means opposite to do the opposite of. So you have high blood pressure, mm. you go on a cal calcium channel blocker to force the body to lower the pressure in the pipes. You've got mm. pain, you go on an analgesic that literally stops the nerves from sending the pain signal. The source of the signal is still there. The nerves just can no longer send the signal. So your brain doesn't perceive pain, even though the source of it is still there. Now, in certain circumstances, this can be a great boost in terms of palliation and feeling better. This can also actually be life-saving in certain circumstances, but mm -hmm. it's, it's literally doing the opposite of what the body is trying to do instead of working in partnership. And I've always said the actual substances I use are not the point. You could, you could even use pharmaceutical medicine in a biotherapeutic drainage way, and it would actually produce a different set of results. And there's a place where mm. at least intuitively and energetically and in your relationships, you know, we're not changing directly what the chemo biochemistry is trying to accomplish in your body, but we're, it's that environment that it's in and the environment mm. that you're in. And, you know, and this is really distinct from just the power of positive thinking or even a gratitude journal and gratitude journals are amazing. And having gratitude practices are incredible, but I really get, this has been intrinsic for you of, if I'm going to be on this path and I'm going to make these choices, getting the path to line up with who you are distinct from you leaving your innate path to go over here to do something out of alignment with yourself. Wow. Thank you for that. I hadn't thought about that, but I can completely see that. That's pretty amazing. So now I'm going to ask the other question. What's been the hardest part about this? What's been the worst in these last nine months? Oh my, I'd say that the hardest part is really confronting fear. Just this, you know, it just comes up out of nowhere. Like this could kill you. <laughs> this could be the end, you know? And it's funny because when you think about death and dying, it's hard to really get at the depth of it. Obviously it's a natural process and we're designed for it and all of that. But, you know, then there's all these things like, how is it going to be for my daughter? You know, you start, how is it going to be for my mother and for Barb? And, and it just grips you. But then you, you start to realize that really, and I, I know that this is a wisdom distinction as well, is all is well. Mm. All is well. And that, that though was the absolute hardest part for me was, was, 
looking down the, the, the throat of fear. Do you have any practices or like, how did you manage that? What was yeah. that? Well, one thing I did, so right after the surgery, I read the report and, and it, it was really hard to understand it, but I could see that they were talking about that they had found tissue outside of the bowel. And so I started getting those waves of fear and rather than running away from them, I really leaned into them. Mm. I met them. Who mm. are you? And I, I really tried to experience the whole thing, you know, let it, let it come on and, and lean into it. And that helped a lot. And then of course the collaging. And I also do some tapping. Yeah. Like emotional freedom technique. That's yeah. something people can actually look up specifically. And there's a couple different resources around that. Yeah. Yeah. And Sariel has been an incredible resource. I called him from the hospital and we tapped together and it's just, it's made a huge difference. The tapping, the collaging prayer, lots of prayer and scripture mm -hmm. coming from a Christian perspective and meditation, breathing. So really exercise. you used your tools. Yeah. Yeah. About using, using your tools in that way. And, you know, I've had other people and I'm well aware, not everybody has this access in their life. I mean, I've had clients that literally, I had one client, she was the full-time caretaker of her mom by herself and she had a full-time job and she was doing chemo. I oh mean, like gosh. literally like, I can't find unbelievable. Them. And inside of that, we were, I mean, I talked about green drinks and smoothies and how to be able to get some vitamins into her body. And, you know, what could we actually do that would be support, you know, health. And, and really in her case, we were just trying to raise her vitality any way we could. How do mm. we just get some more energy and vitality into her body? And it was hard. There wasn't a lot of options that we could actually find that worked for her. A few months into working together, she calls me and she says, I just found out there's these two kittens that need to be rescued. Am I nuts to be considering adopting two <laughs> kittens in the middle of all of this? And we talked about it and I actually could just see it pouring off of her, the, the opportunity and the, the like real joy that could come into her life. And she did, she ended up taking on these two kittens. It shifted so much for her and I've never prescribed kittens before, <laughs> but I actually could see it as an access point of that vitality, you know? And so so I am aware that it, it, it's going to look like really different for a lot of people. But what I wanted to say is I can also see where for you, you took it on and you were able to take it on. Like, this is it. This is your full-time job. There's nothing else to do, but surrender to this heal, have your life be about this in a positive affirming way, you know, yeah. of the way that you participate. And that's just awesome. Would you talk a little bit more? I mean, you've mentioned collaging as a tool. Can you explain what that is and what? what it does yeah so um there's something we call seemings which is the way something seems and it's what's so powerful is to collage it makes you realize it is just the way it seems it's not reality and so what i do is i find i, I look through magazines and i find or i use a tool pick collage but the magazines work the best you just find something jumps out of the page that speaks to your mood, the texture of it all, the, it speaks to it. It might not even be a picture of what it is that you're talking about, but the, the image jumps out. So you set that image aside and you just keep going until you feel like you have enough images. 
and then you arrange them on a board just intuitively the way it feels to arrange them and what's amazing for me about these collages is I'll see stuff that I didn't even realize was there you know didn't even realize it was there to be healed or there to be looked at and I share them with other people they see things so it becomes like a platform for some healing there and then I usually after I've done a seamings collage especially if it's like seems like chemotherapy scary or whatever that could be an example then I do a new collage that supersedes that like excuse me <clears throat> it seemed like it we call it a new reality collage and it's like what it could be like the positive side of it the, the shift of it and those are all really positive I have this huge new reality collage of when this is all over it's right it's right above my desk here awesome <laughs> yeah. yeah and yeah. when you know what it's going to be and oh the other thing that I want to touch I know I realize that we might be coming close to the end of this interview but a really powerful thing Sarah that you gave me that is just amazing is this whole idea of you know you have all this energy to get to the summit and you have a summit to get to it's clear it's like I've got to get through this I've got to get to well not even remission but being cured and so you just keep going you have the energy and even though it's really hard you can keep moving up to that summit but when you get to the summit there's a whole other now we've got to get down yeah yeah <laughs> and, you know when you shared this whole idea with me like that could be the most dangerous part <laughs> it's like gosh I thought when I got there it would be it would be all over it'd be great but well and this is kind of breaking up a, a paradigm that is how it kind of gets perceived of of you get I mean heaven forbid but here you are you get diagnosed with cancer and then a treatment plan gets laid out radiation surgery chemo variations of the above all of the above and there's usually a point where a doctor more or less says, you're done. Mm -hmm. Now we will wait and watch. We'll have you come back in in three months, six months, a year. You're going to do these tests on an annual basis until you're five years out. Most cancers, it's five years. And then there's sort of this declaration of being, you know, cancer free at a certain point along that journey. Mm -hmm. And the way, you know, Many years ago, I had started a project I did not finish, and it may get reinvigorated with a colleague of mine was to take on creating a course, The Healing After Cancer. Oh, wow. There's a huge amount of people who they don't die from cancer, absolutely, which is fantastic. And there's this cliff that people get dropped off of that surprises many people. And how I know this is because what, what we did before we started the, to write the course is we interviewed people who had gone through cancer treatment. And mm -hmm. uh, I did about 17 interviews, could have done way more. And what was interesting is we just came up with these interview questions. You know, what was it like? What did you deal with? What was, you know, the best things that happened? What did you feel really made a difference for you? What was the most surprising thing to you about having cancer? Mm -hmm. Now I was like, oh, okay, that's going to be, you know, the diagnosis or having to deal with the nausea, the chemotherapy or whatever. Like I did not expect out of 17 interviews, I want to say like 15 people all had the same answer when they were done with the oncology, when the oncologist was no longer the doctor they were working with, it was like, while they had cancer and up to that point, there was this whole like 
you know, support and people bringing meals and, and their friends and family were there and, and everyone cheering them on. And, and they, they kind of got this VIP treatment in the, the therapies that they were going to and the places that they would go to around the doctors and the nurses and all of that. And then it was over and it was like a light switch went off. Mm. They'd get referred back to their primary care physician and all of this attention and support was gone. And they yeah. all talked about how shocking that moment was. And for some people, they were dealing with major fungal infections, recurrent pneumonia, full mm. body pain, immune systems that had been just totally wreaked over because of the treatments that they had, which saved their life. But we all are very well aware in the medical community that you've got a massive healing journey after the cancer treatment is done. Yeah. But there's not really a place for that in conventional medicine, you just go back to your primary care physician who is incredibly ill-prepared and ill-equipped for this, not to mention their other 2000 patients that they're managing, you know, in all the different aspects. So that was really surprising to me. And that's where this concept, you know, my background was a whitewater rafting guide and a downhill ski race coach. And I spent a lot of time, my ex-husband was a helicopter ski guide and we had, and smoke jumper for the forest service, most of the people I was around were people who were extreme sport athletes. And I actually have friends that would guide people as mountain climbers up and down Everest and K2 and Mount Rainier and Mount McKinley. Like I hung out with those guys and I started to understand that summiting is what everyone has their attention on, but climbing down the mountain safely and returning home with minimal to no impact on your body, mind, psyche is the hardest part. Yeah. And so I relayed that analogy to you and this kind of concept got born out of it of recognizing there was going to be a point when from the oncologist and conventional medical standpoint, you were quote done, but that was really the summit of the mountain and to recognize what is it to come back down the mountain safely? And what do we want to be prepared for? And how do we want to set that up? And that's also where I really feel like, you know, not that I don't specialize in oncology specifically, I will be able to, and other people like me would be able to provide a lot of support is what does that actually look like to come down off the mountain and get you back to base camp and back home safely, restoring your gut microbiome? Like how does chemotherapy impact your gut microbiome specifically that you have colon cancer, but even if it wasn't colon cancer, you know, yeah. and what else do we want to do to, to support the, the bounce back of the endocrine system and making sure your immune system and the emotional trauma that maybe you've done a really good job of mitigating it on a conscious level, but what is the subconscious and supra sub super whatever either direction consciousness <laughs> you know yeah. unconsciousness that your body your cells all of that have taken in you know and and what can we do to interrupt the statistic that the number one cause of secondary cancer is the treatment of the primary cancer yeah that course would be so valuable. My gosh. I gotta be careful I what I say out loud. I know. No, I'm with you. And it, and it's still there for me. And I would definitely, yeah. Great. Yeah. Please sign me up as your first student. <laughs> well, let's beta test it and we'll work it out together. Yeah, yeah totally. That would be really, it's just even MD Anderson has an integrative department, but it's, you know, it's got a long way to go, a yeah. long, long way to go. And I would, I think something like that would be absolutely yeah. amazing. Yeah. 
So where are you right now? Like in this moment in time in the journey, you're in the midst of the oral chemo. Like, like, how are you? Really, I'm doing well. There's, I hit walls, emotional walls, just run out of energy, but I'm not tired enough to sleep. So you're just like in a stupor, but that's, that, they're kind of far and few between. And what I'm, what I'm saying, it's the way this is going to go is the way it's been for these last two weeks are going to be the same for the next four weeks. That, that will be the height of my side effects and my tiredness and rather than cumulative. And so it's not going to keep getting worse. It's going to stay this way or get better. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And are there anything that you feel like has been critical to having that be a reality at home, things that you're doing or want to share about? Well, absolutely declaring, you know, creating newly. And then the other thing that I, um, Sariel taught me this, it's, it's a tapping thing that he's actually developed to actually tap blessing the somebody who's manifested what you want in the world. So like I want to be cancer free. I want to be be back engaged in life, wholly unimpacted by this. Have this be a dis- distant memory. So I think about people who are that, mm. and he's taught me a, t- a tapping method that that allows you to be on the shoulders of this person and bless them, and then it comes back and blesses you. Mm. So I've thought about these various people that are that are that in my life that have that. For them, cancer is a history. They're re-engaged in life. It was a great life experience. It, they, they've taken from that experience and brought it, you know, into your, into their life now, but without all the impact, the the, the bad impact of it. Yeah. Excellent. So yeah. So I'm definitely that's definitely a practice I'm doing. And and then after this chemo phase, I'll, I still have to have another surgery because I have an ileostomy, which will be reversed. And then there'll be the scans. You know that whole thing that you talked about. Yeah. It's definitely a journey. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, Sharon, I just so appreciate you being willing to, you know, be vulnerable and transparent and share your experience. This is, is such a rare and awesome gift to be able to be boots on the ground with you inside of this experience as it's happening, as it's unfolding. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for giving me the opportunity just another one of our great conversations. <laughs> sure is. Many more to come for sure. Many more to come. Well, uh, I thank you. And I look forward to the sequel of Life Cancer Free on the other side. We get to talk about that and what that's brought about. So yeah, I really, really appreciate you until we get to do it again. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you to today's guest, Sharon Lewis, for her courage and compassion. For all the resources for today's show, visit sarahmarshallnd.com backslash podcast. Special thanks to our music composer, Roddy Nickpour, and our editor, Kendra Vicken. And as always, thank you for being here. We'll see you next time.